business is changing. Ideas are everywhere. It was never so easy to be successful. What is keeping you from starting your own business, from changing your life? We want to give you the opportunity to listen and learn from real business people. My name is Joe Bronze and this is Lisbon Unlimited. Build a better world by improving yourself. Leave your comfort zone. The discipline and hard work today, they mean growth and happiness tomorrow. Tune in, listen and share. Business is changing. Ideas are everywhere. It was never so easy to be successful. What is keeping you from starting your own business, from changing your life? We want to give you the opportunity to listen and learn from real business people. My name is Joe Bronze and this is Lisbon Unlimited. Build a better world by improving yourself. Leave your comfort zone. The discipline and hard work today, they mean growth and happiness tomorrow. Tune in, listen and share. Andrews, thank you so much for being here at Lisbon Unlimited. My name is Diogo Bronze and um, welcome everyone as well. And today my guest is Andrew Sperda, an experienced startup marketeer on a mission to unite sales and marketing with OutFunnel. Andrews was head of marketing at PyDrive, where he helped the company grow from zero to 70,000 plus paying customers around the world. And also he built a 20 plus strong marketing team here. He also um, founded uh, OutFunnel, the company is running now. We'll ask a couple of questions about that as well. Also, investor, uh, angel investor in Taxify, Omnisense, eAgronom Dashboard, Teamscope, Klaus, and ChatCreate. So he has a really good insight on startup businesses. He knows what's happening in Estonia and all across Europe, I would say. And um, yeah, let's ask him questions about marketing and about everything else. Sounds good. Uh, hey, Diogo. Hey, everybody. Hey. Uh, thank you for inviting me. You're welcome. Uh, Andrews, to start with, I wanted to ask you a question. Um, it really bugs me because Estonia is very, a very special country and I love it there. PyDrive gave me the opportunity to go there and the culture is very special and unique, as you know. <laughs> and I wanted to ask, how does Estonian end up being a marketeer? Well, do you know this expression that in the land of the blind, uh, one-eyed man is the king? So, uh, so I think we Estonians, we're not naturally, uh, we don't have the genes for, uh, for marketing or, or sales. Uh, but, but yeah, I don't know. For some reason, I was, uh, I was drawn to marketing when I was, I think, 16 or 17 already. Uh, and I've been going at it ever since. <laughs> That's a good question. I don't have a good answer, but uh, I think it's like every exception proves the rule. Uh, and I think now, 2020, there's already uh, some good marketers in Estonia. Uh, and hopefully more and more every year. I bet there are. And with so many companies, like the country is booming with people, um, actually... I myself, I'm a, I, I just got the e-residency approval, so I'm also becoming Estonian. <laughs> <laughs> and um, Mikkel here, I don't know if you met him, but uh, Mikkel 
is always sending me some synap and i guess that's something that you guys <laughs> eat a lot in estonia so yeah yeah this is our our own uh our, our version of wasabi synap <laughs> right so getting more serious um andrews i would love to understand you have i watched a couple of videos i watched uh, loads of stuff that you have online and on youtube especially um go check him out if you if you want to have um an insight on what what he has done across these years but i would love to understand you have a concept of no bullshit marketing framework for startups can you tell us more about that yeah happy to so first i think as the as the concept suggests there's a lot of bs in marketing there's a lot of bullshit and uh, i'm a marketer i've done my fair share of bullshitting as well i think it's um uh, I think it's uh, you can either get results or you can have the illusion of results, which I think uh, many people do. Uh, but yeah, my mo- no, no BS framework was just um, just my own way of uh, of thinking about marketing uh, in the context of helping an early stage company pick their battles, uh, know what to focus on, and, and how to maximize the results. And it's a very simple framework. Uh, it just looks at. Uh, at uh, at the product category you're serving, um, mm-hmm. like uh, how how much awareness is there for the product category you're marketing, and looks at category urgency, like uh, are people actively searching for things in a category or not, and then it kind of uh, suggests a couple of ways to think about that, and then pick your, pick the channels you need to be working with. Uh, I don't know. I could talk about the, that framework for one minute or or, tw- or twenty <laughs> hours. I don't know which which version you want. Just feel free to talk about uh, whatever you feel like it. I, I really enjoyed the way that you gave an idea on um, people usually marketing. There's loads of bullshit. Yeah. And uh, why is that? What, or at least, why do people fool themselves? Is it based on metrics, based on um, clicks? Or how can you fool? Because in the end, marketing needs to bring a ROI, uh, ROI right? Yeah, I mean, that's true. I mean, maybe I'll give you a quick uh, summary of the, uh, of the framework. So basically, it's, it, it um, suggests, or I suggest that uh, if you're a marketer, you should focus on two things. Uh, one is findability, like how easy it is for others to, uh, uh, to find you. Uh, and then second is, uh, is getting uh, recommendations, making sure that you, your product or service uh, spreads with word of mouth. Um, uh, and if you do these two things, if you make yourself findable, and if you get recommendations, you basically, uh, like basically, you are then marketing in the natural way that people uh, buy products. Because if you want to buy a new product, you either uh, ask your friends, or you just start searching for it either online or in an app store or anywhere else. So this framework, I think, is just a good way to uh, to put your marketing efforts uh, into how people actually buy. Uh, why people do other things? I think, I mean, for for various reasons. I don't know. I've been in marketing for twenty something years. I just, I still don't know exactly what drives people. <laughs> but, but what I can, what I, what I've observed is that there's seven billion people, and they each have their own motivations and and reasons for doing things. Um, some of them are actually very, very good. Yeah, I do think that marketing is uh, trending now, and people are leaving the old box of the old serious marketing where you would display. Uh, your product in certain ways and people are becoming more bold with social media do you think that that's a trend as well in the startup community um yeah I've, i have mixed feelings about social media i think social media um probably shouldn't be your marketing focus no matter what you do and for some companies it's it's working well and it makes sense to invest some amount of uh, time and money into that 
but I would say most marketers and most startup marketers spend way too much time uh, with social media. All right. And um, Alphonon, you yeah. build a huge team with PyTribe. You help PyTribe grow to uh, 70,000 customers per paying customers. And um, how, what made you quit the company with those, with those numbers and a company that was growing so much? Uh, we are 600 now workers here and you really need to see something in a new product that you have. So um, what is it that you built without Fano? Uh, so first, yeah, I was very, um, very grateful for for the chance of being part of PipeTribe, and really enjoyed my my nearly seven years at the company. Uh, but then um, two things happened: one, I saw an opportunity, and secondly, I had been with a company uh, with PipeTribe for nearly seven years, so I needed a change uh, personally. Um, and then why uh, Outfunnel? I mean, we could have built anything, and and we built a marketing tool, and uh, it's. It's a stupid idea to build a marketing tool in 2018 or, or 19 or, or 2020 as we are right now, because there's like six, 7,000 marketing tools out there. Who needs another one? Uh, That's so the main question, yeah. yeah. Uh, so either uh, we are very smart or very stupid. And, uh, and uh, I mean, our data points see that maybe we're not that stupid. But uh, the problem we're solving is that despite the fact that there's thousands of marketing tools uh, what small businesses are still struggling with is syncing their sales and marketing, syncing their data and workflows between the sales and marketing functions, between sales and marketing tools. So Pipedrive, great CRM, recommended uh, to almost any business. But uh, if you want to integrate the marketing tool to Pipedrive, it's a struggle. Although there's hundreds of marketing tools, maybe thousands, uh, it's very hard to integrate one to Pipedrive without spending uh, a week on it or without spending thousands of euros or dollars on it. So just, yeah, so we are trying to unite sales and marketing, building a sales-centric uh, marketing automation tool, which then gives you all the marketing benefits, but it's super easy to integrate into your sales data and sales workflows and sales CRM. And how do you guys do that? How do you build a product that, because you probably need, your main focus should be if you want to connect both departments and they are, I do think that they should definitely be more connected because one starts to pick up customers and the other will basically finish the process. My question is, what are you guys, how are you guys doing that? Well, I think thinking slightly differently, looking at things from a slightly different perspective because most marketing tools, um, want to help marketers do better marketing. And then they generate more intricate marketing workflows, marketing data, marketing insights. But if these insights and workflows and data uh, generated is not available to salespeople, a better marketing tool actually pulls marketing and sales teams apart, if you know what I mean. So we're trying to, to start from another perspective. So let's look at where marketing and sales meet. What data would be most helpful what marketing data would be most helpful to uh, salespeople? So if, if you're a salesperson, you probably want to see uh, how many emails a prospect has seen or clicked, what they have done on the website, what's the lead score, et cetera. So we, we, we're bringing that data into the CRM. And we also uh, start from, so which sales data is most relevant for marketers? So um, we want to then bring up-to-date fresh data from sales tool available uh, in, a, in the marketing tool so that you can, when you send down to your next campaign, 
you know that uh, it's, it's it's the right segment. It's it's the right people who get the right messages at the right time uh, instead of sending a call to action to buy something to somebody who already has bought it two days ago. Totally get it. And um, your your platform, you mentioned that it should be mindful, smart, and don't annoy people or spam people. Sometimes yep. it's hard to think about marketing without annoying people or spamming people. How is that possible? Um, so a couple of things. Some of the marketing has to be has to be annoying because uh, you know you need to get somebody's attention, and you don't get somebody's attention by being by blending in. So some of the marketing has to be annoying. The caveat there is uh, only some of the marketing can be annoying. If all of the marketing is based around getting attention and spamming and being very noisy and loud, you're going to turn off people. Um, so I think there's a way to do, uh, like say, cold emails or cold outreach without being uh, annoying. Uh, so it's good to target. It's good to have an idea about who you're targeting. It's good to then segment, making sure that you only send your messages to people who are actually relevant. It's good to do small-scale testing before you send a campaign to tens or hundreds of thousands of people and it's good to invest in the creative message and if you do these four things then i think you can be smart around kind of getting the attention if you ignore any of these steps then you are just a spammer basically yeah uh, and, and of course uh, some one thing that any marketer can do is is to ask for permission get make sure that the value they provide the content they provide is good enough me as a prospect, I want to sign up for that. I want to actively get that content. That is a really nice mention. You mentioned content. And nowadays, I feel that everybody's talking about content. And sometimes content is becoming also spam. So you're just bombarding people with, here's a free ebook on this, or here's that, or a guide. How do you decipher what is a good contact? I know that you have a tool that can read your, your target and what you guys are looking for when you send a message to your customer. But how can you define good content for marketing? Uh, that's a that's a good uh, that's, that's a that's a very broad question. I don't have a good specific answer for that. But I think uh, so. So it's uh, so I would say that there's uh, lots of bad content and there's a couple of types of good content. And let me just maybe give you uh, an outline of of the types of good content, and maybe that answers some of your question. So. Good content is questions your customers or prospects have, have asked you previously. So if they email you, if they are in a sales conversation, what do they ask? Usually the things they ask are good uh, material for content writing as well. Secondly, there's a, a process called keyword research or keyword SWOT analysis. I think it's, it's, a, good, it's a good idea to invest in that because uh, it gives you the information about what people are asking for uh, in an aggregated format, in the format of Google search queries. So you'll understand what queries people make and how much of these queries do they make. Um, and thirdly, I think a good kind of content is content which you've come up with yourself. So unique content that you've made up either by passion or by looking at your data or by your experience. I think that's always good content to share. Uh, I think these, these three examples, I would say that if you, if you stick to these three, then, then it's a pretty high chance that what you produce will be relevant for your customers and for your business. And then you can take those examples and even build layers on it, right? This is one example. Now we can build layers or because if you're selling to multiple industries, 
you can apply the same the same conditions or the same examples to different types of businesses or different types of targets. Yeah, yeah, and and I think uh, since you mentioned industries, I think uh, customer case studies is another uh, useful type of content which which would be maybe the fourth uh, type of content uh, to, right. to highlight. Yeah, good perfect. I, I read one of your articles, um, one of the, those that you've posted online, and um, you said something pretty interesting. You mentioned product DNA is the often unconscious sum of the time. A tool was created at and the problems that were in the mind of the early team. So mm -hmm. you are basically telling people that like, if there's was a, an original idea, stick to it and then develop it from there. How do you make sure that this product DNA is not lost when the company grows too much? <laughs> so I don't know yet. So we're still <laughs> still in year two of Outfundel, but yeah, I, I think that's a good um, good uh, call out that uh, every product has a product DNA. So the founders came together and to solve a problem, and usually I've observed that the, what whatever they whatever problem they set out to solve, the company will kind of remain around that main problem or that main solution and they can add features later they can add use cases later but these are like bolt-on and uh, and very often what the original problem was uh, will continue to work and all the other solutions later on are a kind of uh, second best uh, solutions etc then how to make sure that uh, that this not doesn't get lost I think first is to keep talking to customers Keep, keep understanding, do they still have the problem and, and does the product solu sol solve it? And then communicating that problem that you set out to solve internally, externally. Um, and it's, then, really, um, it's really hard, uh, sorry to interrupt, but you, you are saying something and I had to say this because it's really hard when you look at companies like Uber, for example, mm -hmm. they've started providing, um, or even Taxify or any company, for example, in that service area, they started providing trips or uh, services, car services, mm -hmm. and now they're providing food delivery. Yeah. So it changes completely the product or the product is sticking to the same philosophy, it's just changing the segment. Yeah, I think sometimes um, sometimes it works. So if um, um, I think it really then depends on the main mental capacity of the founding team and and the team they've solved around it. Because you can actually, you can broaden the problem you solve uh, and then make sure that your solution still fits the problem and your team still fits the problem. Or you could just also go, okay, I think if you think, if you do MBA about it, if you just kind of start like SWOT matrix and then go, if you do theoretical, then it's a downhill, um, downhill uh, uh, trend from there. I, I needed to understand now. I always ask these questions. I've been doing those questions to the last interviewees here at Lisbon Unlimited. And the first is, um, who is your hero in this story? Because OutFunnel has a story. You guys are trying to provide a path for companies to win and basically have success in a certain business. So who is your ideal customer? Who is the bird or the company? What kind of metrics do you guys focus on? So we're, we're, we're targeting small businesses, uh, but not all small businesses. So in my estimation, in our experience, about 20 to 25% of small businesses around the world, they have a sales team or a sales function and the marketing team or a, just a marketing person. So they have both and they need both to, to win. Um, and then we are, and we are targeting that, that segment too. So, so you have a sales team and a marketing team and they need to work together because if you're heavily sales driven, only sales or heavily marketing driven marketing uh, function only, then 
uh, then you don't have the problem that we that we're solving. Um, and then the companies who are in that uh, segment of if you have both sales and marketing, they tend to be companies who sell something valuable with a long sales cycle. Uh, let's say consulting or uh, or professional services or maybe real estate or financial services. So it's 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 companies who yeah who then use some sort of marketing activities to drive leads and then they use sales to close these, close these leads. And the main antagonist that you have there, you already mentioned it before, it is definitely the lack of communication between sales and marketing. That's the the problem you you want to solve or is there anything else you would like to point out? Um, so I think the antagonist is, uh, is, is, is myself in a way. Like the enemy is myself. So I used to be a head of marketing, even at Byte Drive. And I, I looked at marketing as an isolated thing. I needed to drive leads. I didn't really care about what's going, what's going to go down the line. Because it was hard to get the data. Because it was like uh, I needed to work hard to get to know which leads close, what's going on there. Uh, so I think uh, the fact that marketers, some marketers ignore sales, it's not because they're bad people or stupid people. Sometimes it's just very hard to get the data. And sometimes it's very hard to, to, to align sales and marketing without living in an infrastructure project for like, for like a year. Uh, so I think, yeah, I have personal experience from doing things the wrong way. And I just want to make it, we want to make it simpler for, for, for many small businesses around the world. Yep. I've been working in sales for a while and one of the complaints we have usually is the type of leads that you get. Obviously, salespeople will always complain because <laughs> when they can't achieve targets, but not getting the right kind of leads, we always attribute that questions to marketing and then marketing says, but you have those leads that are signing up. And I do think that dialogue should be sharpened and I thank you so much for providing a tool that can solve that for lots of people, for sales, for marketing. And I just need to understand now, the last question about OutFunnel is um, how do you guide your customers? Like, you know the pro, you know the hero, you know the antagonist, and how are you mentoring that? Is, is that with the onboarding process? Is it self-explanatory? If someone wants to start, some listener wants to start using OutFunnel today, what shall they do? Yeah, so we do um, a couple of things. First, we try to make things as easy as possible. Uh, so we try to keep things simple. Uh, secondly, uh, we try to make the user experience uh, self-explanatory, and so there's no need to in involve us. But we want to keep speaking to users first to help them uh, onboard the, the product, but also to learn continuously. So we we made it very easy to to then uh, schedule a session with us, so get in touch via chat, uh, and then I think it's a two-way it's a two-way street because then. Uh, we get to tell the product story and help people onboard it. And uh, and we also then help them to solve a problem. And we would recommend other solutions if our own tool is not the best fit. That's something, that's an approach uh, uh, that is quite rare. Companies like telling their customers, hey, maybe we not we might not fit your the solution you're looking for. And uh, I've seen more and more companies having that, but mm -hmm. uh, it's still something hard to find. So last question question that I have for you, we are approaching the... 30 minute mark is um, when do you, when you invest and despite maybe not being an investor at full time, what do you, what are you looking for in startups? Is mm -hmm. it just for fun? Is it, you're looking for real specific KPIs? Um, so, um, so not 
so I'm doing investment partially for fun, but uh, if you can call that fun, if you can call it helping, I think it's fun just to help people. Uh, everybody has their story and their, their life and then their struggles. It's good to be able to, to help every now and then if you can. Uh, but um, my, th my thesis is about the team. And I can tell you a story of how I got connected to the most uh, investment successful so far. So I think thanks, thanks to my work with startups so far, I was with startups very early on. I've had a steady stream of people coming to me for advice every now and then. And usually you have a chat and, and you hear nothing back. And maybe like in three years, you, you see them again and then I did this, I did a fail, but there's no feedback loop. So this one entrepreneur, um, young guy came to me with some questions and uh, took a, like we had a session and then he emailed me about 10 days later and said, thank you for the advice. I have now done that. Any other advice? I said, maybe there's this other thing you could also do. And then he uh, emailed me again in a week and said, oh, this was very good, thank you. Now it's done again, anything else? I said, no, I can't really help you right now, but if you have a fundraise, please call me first. And then, and that this happened. Um, so I've, uh, uh, and this is, a, this is like an exception. I think very, I think one in every 50 calls is like, has a, has a feedback loop at that. And if, if this happens, you know that you're, you're onto something. Even if their current thing fails, uh, you know that they are capable of learning and communicating and the next venture will then be successful. So I'm looking for the right team and the right, I think, sparkle in people's eyes. So persistence. Persistence. And also, I think, uh, ability to learn and ability to feedback and, 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 uh, and yeah, just have a, have a, have a, have a, I think, reasonable attitude in work, I think. And, and when, um, when you invest the first batch and they make a mistake and they are like uh, probably more scared than you about the outcome, what's the main advice you would give startups in that spot? Uh, if they make a mistake? If they can make a mistake, they have uh, practically wasted their resources and now they either stay in or they go out. Uh, but you see they have something there. There's something there that might be of value. Mm -hmm. um, is it them, the people working on the product, on the product, or is it the product? So here, um, I here I think there's no universal answer. Then it's really context dependent. Uh, there's no, there's no, there's no advice which I give to everybody, and there's no, like, and very few people. Uh, every advice is only needed by a certain amount of people. So then I think it's very contextual. I try to understand the problem. So is the problem uh, then the, like the motivation? Is it the money? Is it the market? Is it the product? And then depending on that, I think there's the right solution. But there's, yeah, there's no right size uh, fits all uh, type of advice, I think. All right, yeah, definitely. Uh, this was a question because I see so many young people starting uh, businesses nowadays mm -hmm. and they usually first uh, error happens or they, get, they have the first, their first or second or third no. After 10 no's, mm -hmm. they start to get demotivated. And I do think that the persistence as we said before is one of the key factors that makes things different either because they believe in the product because they believe in themselves i would say it makes uh, a good entrepreneur to be persistent yeah i think it's uh, i think I, I think you're right uh, spot on i think persistence just uh, showing up and just keeping doing the work that will that will be usually better than 90 percent of people who are given up before so if you can very unpleasant things to do, very unpleasant things to get no's. I think you know from sales background that it's, no's are not uh, easy, unpleasant exactly. ever. But uh, yeah, keeping at it is a good, is a good advice usually. But then again, I think there's also a time where you just kind of, sometimes the right thing to do is to quit 
and and move on to the next thing. And then there's a you you need to then hope that you have enough internal conviction and maybe advisors around you that can then give you the the sign to say, hey, stop. Yeah, but even that, even when you get a no and you quit on that project and you move to another, that's persistence. That's not like this guy just changed the way he was doing things. He learned. He's doing another stuff now. So. Yeah. Andrews, thank you so much. Is there anything that you would like to tell us um, anything about OutFunnel, about how to reach you guys? Do you have any website or anything that you'd like to say to anyone listening out there? Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, if, if you, if you, dear listener, uh, have a sales and marketing function, if you're using PyDrive, uh, and then you would like to add marketing workflows to your PyDrive, then OutFunnel, um, the tool I think is 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 very good for um, uh, for easily integrating marketing into your sales workflows, uh, and also we have a blog where we just give uh, general advice not just on outfunnel but just how to do your marketing in the kind of context where sales and marketing need to work together. So head out to outfunnel.com and then and then uh, check us uh, check us out. Perfect. Thank you so much for being on Lisbon Unlimited. Thank you for your advices on how to do marketing and your knowledge. I hope this is useful to anyone listening there. And um, Andrews, we have our contacts on LinkedIn. We'll stay in touch. And if you need anything, reach out. Excellent. Thank you for the invite, Diogo. Thank you.